Welcome to the Happy Homeschool, where we talk about creative homeschool inspiration rooted in relationships for the nonconformist, dedicated parent. I'm Laura Blodgett. And my goal at the Happy Homeschool is to inspire and equip you to create a learning environment that makes home everyone's favorite place. You can always read more at thehappyhomeschool.com. Hello, welcome to the Happy Homeschool podcast. I'm Laura, and today I am interviewing Amanda Trumpower, and she is the author of the Caller Case series. She was taught at home, and she and her husband are planning on teaching their now three-year-old twins at home. She says she writes for Jesus lovers who dig dragons, detectives, and droids. I met her through an online course teaching authors how to advertise their books, She sent me a copy of her first book in the Collar Case series, which is for 7 to 12-year-olds who love mysteries, animals, and silly hijinks. It reminds me of the Freddy the Pig series, but it's a bit shorter than that. So I thought it would be fun to introduce you all to her and her books. Welcome, Amanda. Hi, Laura. Thank you for having me. Okay. So if you could just like you have people talk about elevator pitches. If you had just a short couple of minutes in an elevator to someone, what would you say to them about yourself? Um, Well, I write uh, fiction for Jesus lovers who dig dragons, detectives, and droids, which basically means that I love fantasy and I love mystery and I love sharing that with kids and adults. And so um, you have three-year-old twins Mm -hmm. and you told me that you've been married for five years, a little over five years. Uh, this fall will be our fifth anniversary. Okay. Was your husband also taught at home? He was. He was homeschooled in Columbus, Ohio. I was homeschooled in Canton, Ohio. Um, our parents used slightly different methodologies, um, mm-hmm. but it was still homeschooling. And we loved it so much that it's always been the plan to do that with our children. Yeah. I know when um, a lot of people talk to my kids who were taught at home through high school and they act like, Oh, you poor kids. They didn't let you go to the school. And my kids look at them like, no, we're really, really glad they did that for us. Thank you very much. <laughs> if you want a confession, uh, my brother and I used to stand by the window in our house. And as the school bus would go by, we would wave and we would go bye, suckers. That's yeah. So, so you had a, an appreciative attitude, let us say of, of what was going on for you and your family relationships. Oh, we loved it so much. Our parents were amazing. My mom is actually a teacher by trade, although I don't think that's required to be a successful homeschool mom. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a love of learning is all that is required, but um, she did such a wonderful job. She tailored our education to our interests. So for example, um, it was very evident from a from a young age that I was going to be a writer mm-hmm. in some capacity. So um, my parents let me accelerate through the traditional English and writing classes that every student takes. And then they got me some very cool specialized training um, that taught me how to write fiction and oh. different things. And all of that was made possible because I was homeschooled. And the same is true with my brother. He was interested in uh, math and computer programming. So um, his personalizations were different, but um, both of us just super benefited from a home that fostered a love of learning, um, independent learning, and tailoring our education to the talents that God had given us. Wonderful. That is so great. 
So you also had some other education beyond your homeschool experience? I did. If you're familiar with the Left Behind series by Jerry Jenkins, um, he has done a lot for the Christian writing community. He Mm -hmm. has developed um, a training program that was available for a number of years. It was called the Christian Writers Guild. And I had the privilege to go through that course um, for several years and graduated all the way through that. It was just tremendously amazing. Um, it's, it's not around anymore, unfortunately. Um, but it was a wonderful tool. And then I did a lot of self-study. Um, there's so many books available to students who are interested in writing fiction that will teach you how to do it well. So I went through all of those as self-study, um, and then a couple of other things as I got to be older. Um, but yeah, that was, it was, it was specialized education for sure. Do you remember any particular books that were your favorite of those that you read about writing? Absolutely. In fact, I recently just taught a workshop on this very topic to some homeschoolers. Um, So I can send you the resources list that I made for that if you'd like. Yeah. Um, Off the top of my head, any book um, put out by Writers Digest is going to be fantastic. Um, Mm -hmm. They're they're one of the leaders in uh, craft books for writing. So um, they have really great titles on how to write dialogue, really great titles on how to structure your story, how to handle description. Um, You could go through their entire catalog and it would be well worth your time. Okay. So in among those, were there also some that directly um, dealt with children's books? Um, I don't recall if Writer's Digest has one um, specifically. There is a book titled um, how to write kid lit kid lit oh. is kind of a, um, a jargon in the writing world for uh, juvenile fiction mm-hmm. books for kids, basically. Um, so how to write kid lit. If you're specifically interested in writing books for kids is a really good one. Um, there's also a really good one called writing between the lines. That's not mm-hmm. about writing for children, but it's about how to write evocatively. And that was tremendously impactful for me. Hmm. Interesting. So you hope to also write some adult level books as well. I do. Um, my books, I, I structure them for Christian homeschool families. You don't have to be a homeschooler to enjoy them, mm-hmm. um, but that's the lifestyle that I come from. And it's the lifestyle that I'm writing for. Mm-hmm. Um, so ultimately I would like to have titles for the children in a homeschooling family, as well as the adults and the teenagers. Like I said earlier, I'm a huge fantasy and science fiction fan. Um, so going forward, I would like to do some work in the adult fantasy and teen fantasy genres. Um, right now I'm concentrating on the mystery fiction for the younger ages. Yeah. I know for me, I've, I've written a couple of picture book styles for kids. And one of my goals was to write family positive stories where Mm -hmm. they had good relationships. It doesn't mean they didn't have any problems um, or adventures, but where the family was viewed as a positive thing and and the mother and father were viewed as as positive input rather than a hindrance to whatever the child wanted to do. 
Absolutely. Um, reading level will vary across the different books that I do, but I'm right there with you. I want all of the books to be enjoyable as a family. So if they were going to sit down and read them out loud, um, you know, reading level may vary a little bit, but mm-hmm. in terms of the relationships and the story and the content, I would like all of that to be very um, open and supportive of uh, family values. So The Collar Case books, are those the first books you've written? Um, Yes and no. Uh, Collar Cases is my mystery chapter book series. Um, It came into existence 10 years ago when I was a college student. Um, I had made a promise to myself that by the time I turned 20, I would do something, even if it was just a small thing, to signify to myself that I was going to begin um, stepping out of the educational part of right. my writing right. and and start applying it. And so mm-hmm. the promise I made to myself was that by the time I was 20, I needed to have something to show for it. Well, um, I had a very special friend who was turning nine that year. And so I partnered with a friend of mine who was just an amazingly talented artist And we did the first collar cases book as a birthday present for my little friend. So it was illustrated and I wrote it. Um, And then life happened. Uh, I continued to write for sure, um, but didn't have a specific title that I was working on sharing with readers. Um, And then uh, I'm almost 30 now. So it's, you know, a fun, uh, I'll be 30 in two weeks. So fast forward 10 years. Um, I graduated college. I finished grad school. I met and married my husband within a year of meeting. And then we had twins about a year, less than a year later. Mm -hmm. Um, so a lot of life happens and I actually had turned my attention to my adult fantasy projects. I have a, um, Robin hood retelling mixed with superpowers that I spent the last five years writing. And it's very interesting. It's my baby. I love it. And (laughs) it was supposed to be my first book. And then I realized that for a couple of different reasons, it should probably be um, a project a little bit further down the road. So Mm -hmm. I returned to Collar Cases, which was special to me because it was, you know, this book that I had done 10 years ago. So I returned to Collar Cases and I gave it a total facelift. The first book is called Case of the Robbed Recipe. So it got new covers, it got new art, it got a professionally narrated audiobook for the first time. Um, I cleaned up the insides. Um, so we have four books coming out this year. Um, the first one is already out. The second one will be out very soon. Um, the third one will be out summer of 2022. And then the last one, well, the, the fourth one will be out in September. Um, but that was kind of the journey that I took with Collar Cases it mm-hmm. was definitely a process that taught me patience and <laughs> taught me to trust in God's timing that just because I thought it was time to do something um, doesn't always mean that that's what God wanted me to do. I had to get some life things out of the way first. <laughs> there are priorities. Priorities yeah. are a thing. Yeah. And, and now that I, um, uh, now that we've made it through those 10 years of all the different life things, um, now I am so thankful to be at the point where it's, it's okay to, to focus on these things now. So, um, the original one you wrote 10 years ago, but it's been redone, kind of cleaned up a little bit is mm-hmm. what you said. And, and the others are all coming out. Um, I asked, um, my girls, I was chatting with them today and I asked them if they had any particular questions 
that they would be interested in hearing. And one of them was, how do you choose the vocabulary level for these books in particular? That's a great question. And it's something that I have put a lot of thought into, because if you write for children, you want to make sure that it's at the right level. Um, I read a lot of chapter book and middle grade novels. That's just kind of where my interests are, even as an adult. Um, So a lot of it is experiential. Um, Mm -hmm. If it feels too advanced to me, it probably is because I have immersed myself in that reading level Uh Um, going forward. Uh, I actually am trying to volunteer at my church's uh, children's ministry with Mm -hmm. the right ages for collar cases. I am really excited to put myself in a position where I can actually be around uh, seven to 12 year olds on a regular basis for that as well. Well, it won't be too long. Uh, Speaking of someone who's been through all that before your own children are in that age group. And so you'll have that there as well. So um, another question was, what books have you read as stories that you think have influenced you the most in writing these books? Absolutely. Um, So my love of mysteries, uh, I credit to my mom. Um, Mm -hmm. I grew up, she loves mysteries in all form. And I kind of grew up on that. I bypassed a lot of children's books, um, especially teen books. I didn't really read teen books. And I, Mm -hmm. I read mysteries with my mom. Um, so Agatha Christie has become my personal hero. Obviously those are adult level mysteries. Um, but in terms of the love of the genre and some of the fun things that you can do with a mystery book, that's definitely where I got some of my early inspiration, um, more direct correlations. Um, I really like the, um, pet sitters series by Ella shine. She it's actually a team of Australian Christian authors, um, two ladies who write, um, mystery chapter books, and they have just a lot of fun, zany characters. Mm -hmm. There's a talking cat named Gus. Um, so those are a lot of fun. I also really liked, I can't remember the author, but the series is called the haunted library. It's a really interesting concept. It's a mystery chapter book set in a library that has a little ghost in it. Um, And he just has all these silly adventures with the little girl that lives there. It's a friendly ghost. It's a silly thing. It's not scary or anything. And they just go on adventures throughout the library um, that are uh, book and story related. And it's, it's really cute. So those are some some titles that come to the top of my brain. I also grew up reading Magic Treehouse. Um, okay. Those were a lot of fun, just the different settings and things um, that that author was able to incorporate in her books. Okay, well, that's interesting. Now, one of the questions, which of the characters or any of the characters, how did, do you see yourself in those characters? <laughs> it's funny because my friends have theories. Um, they think... <laughs> The, the, so there's a cat and a dog. Mittens is the cat. Alex is the dog. Um, and some people have told me that they think the cat is me and they think the dog is my husband, which is just really strange because Alex ex- existed like 10 years before I knew Josiah. So I don't know mm-hmm. where they're getting that from. But right. <laughs> um, Mittens is a type A, hyper organized, very focused, slightly bossy and aggressive cat. Mm-hmm. And I, I do share some of those personality traits, um, but she is an exaggerated version of that on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Alex is pretty much the complete opposite. He's constantly hungry. He's a goofball. He's a little bit spacey and he's very hyper. Um, he was actually inspired by my brother's uh, childhood dog. Oh. Um, 
uh, so, and he's just a lot of fun and he loves to be around his friends and he's super loyal. And I, I, I share a few of those traits as well. Um, but they are, they have small pieces of me and small pieces of people that I know, but they really are characters unto themselves. Yeah, that's one of the things in learning about writing that's been kind of a relief to me is the idea that everybody writes from their own experience. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's really nothing new. It's just put together in different ways. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you've always wanted to write. You wrote the first one for a gift. So that's really the main reasons you started to do this. But then you also said you think kids deserve quality entertainment. I do. That was a value instilled in me in Jerry Jenkins Christian Writers Guild. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe their motto was raising the next generation of Christian writers. I, I could be wrong on that. But basically, as one of the world's best-selling authors who also happens to be a Christian, mm-hmm. Jerry really deeply believed that it was possible for you to be a skilled, experienced practiced author who wrote Mm -hmm. high quality material and also still be a Christian. So a lot of Christian entertainment is well-intentioned, but not excellent in quality. And so in the Writers Guild that Jerry founded, he really wanted his students to master craft and to be the best in their field so that we were representing God well, Um, while still incorporating the Bible and some really important spiritual truths. So that's my heart's desire for Mm -hmm. my whole career. Um, You continue to learn and improve. Obviously, Um, nobody is perfect on day one. Mm -hmm. um, But if anything could be said of, of my books at the end of my life, all I hope is that it married um, quality for the kids with biblical teaching that helped them in their um, ongoing lives. Right. And it's kind of along the same lines as there's no such thing as a value-free education. There's Mm -hmm. no such thing as a value-free story. Mm -hmm. So it's better from our perspective um, because we base our world on the truth of the Bible. Why should that not then be represented in a solid, meaningful, entertaining, well-written way? Exactly. One of the things that I like to tell uh, Christian students who aspire to be writers Mm -hmm. is that out of all of the people in the world who could aspire to be a writer, I believe that Christians are some of the most crucial because storytelling is the highway to the heart. And the heart is what's in charge of your beliefs Mm -hmm. and, and big picture things like, what do you believe about God? What do you believe about why you're here? What do you believe about eternity? Those are all heart issues. Um, Our brain helps with facts and things, but at the end of the day, beliefs are settled with your heart and storytelling is so valuable because it's a highway to the heart and you can help people learn lessons and feel things and think about things that they would just be unwilling to consider if you had presented them with a list of facts. Right. So um, do you do any research for your stories? I do. It depends on the subject. Um, Collar cases is um, collar cases is not an exotic series. Um, <laughs> all of the mysteries and the settings 
it all happens in a small town. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. they travel in, in book three, they travel to Canada, um, but the settings are fairly every day. So mm-hmm. there's not a lot of specific academic research needed. Um, contrasted to uh, eventually Collar Cases will have a sister series tentatively titled The Adventures of Agent Jack Russell. And it's about (laughs) a Jack Russell Terrier who is kind of like a spy and he gets assigned to go on missions in different countries. And so those books will involve a lot of research on geography, foreign languages, some science. Um, So it really just kind of depends on the project. Right. So the one thing that kind of comes to mind, even though you've personified these characters, and I do, I loved their personalities. I thought they were very entertaining. Well, thank you. Um, but have you found you, you've even had to like um, research about particular animals so that you can represent them right? I did. And there's actually a funny story with this. So I am pathologically afraid of snakes. Um, I I cannot handle pictures. I cannot handle sounds, Um, even some animated snakes. uh, Mm -hmm. It it depends Um, Mm -hmm. if they're super cartoony. It doesn't bother me, but some animated snakes I just can't handle. So researching animals (laughs) is very challenging, especially if I'm in a situation like I was for book four, Um, I knew I wanted to incorporate some new species Mm -hmm. and I wanted some that live in a desert. Mm -hmm. So I Googled animals that live in a desert (laughs) and you can picture some of the images that came up with that. So researching Mm -hmm. um, broad researching uh, on animals in situations like that is actually quite terrifying to me because I'm always afraid I'm going to get a snake. (laughs) Um, But that aside, yes, that's actually one of my favorite parts of planning a new book is deciding um, what new species or breeds of animals are going to appear. Um, I have a, and I apologize, I can't actually remember how to pronounce the word. I call it a caracal. Um, but it's an African cat. It's a very large African cat that is more um, dog-like than it is cat-like. Um, not as large as a lion, but larger than a domesticated cat. So okay. uh, he was fun. He was one of my new breeds that show up in Collar Cases 4. And I had to figure out how to describe him quickly on the page so that kids could at least get a ballpark of what I was talking about. That way right. they didn't think it was just another generic cat. Right. So it's safe to say that at this point, there are no snakes in your stories. <laughs> there are no snakes in the stories. And honestly, um, anthropomorphic worlds are a little bit challenging. Anthropomorphic are stories that have um, animal characters that behave like they're human. Mm-hmm. So they walk on two legs, they wear clothes right. potentially, and they, they talk. Right. Um, and anthropomorphic worlds are a little bit challenging sometimes. There's a couple of things that you have to think through. Um, for example, it doesn't make sense in an anthropomorphic world for the characters to have pets. Oh. Because why would that be a thing? Right. Um, so there's some world building things like that you have to work through. Scale is another issue. I might never have a giraffe in collar cases because they're just so much larger than everything else. Right. Um, and by that logic, snakes are actually difficult too because they don't have any legs. So okay. having them get around in a world where everyone walks upright, basically, it just doesn't work very well. <laughs> yeah, I, I can definitely see that. And especially when you're... Um, doing a story specifically on the level you're doing um not i'm not trying to imply that they're like simple to do but there's a simplicity to the presentation it's like 
what's the idea? Uh, if something is um, complicated, but you do it right, it looks simple to other people because that's Absolutely. your goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've got to keep all of those things in mind to make the story hold together right. <laughs> it also gets a little bit dicey with eating meat. Uh-huh. Uh, Alex is super hungry and he is a carnivore. He loves bacon and he loves right. chicken nuggets. Right. Um, so I'm thinking I may not have any chicken characters just to right. keep that not weird. <laughs> right. Because you've already introduced that. So you don't mm-hmm. want to bring it in. Yeah. Otherwise you, you, all of a sudden you have cannibalism and you don't want to do that. <laughs> yes. Very interesting. So, um, has there been anything unexpected in the process of writing or publishing for you? There has, um, just learning all of the stages, learning all of the people that need to be involved in order for it to be done well. Um, by many measures, I've been pursuing this for 20, 25 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the craft stuff, I, I had the opportunity to learn quite some time ago, but the business and production side is more recent to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so like several years ago, I, I learned, for example, that there are three or four different types of editors and mm-hmm. that can represent a significant expense to right. getting a single book out the door because you're probably going to need two or three rounds of editing per book. Mm-hmm. So you have to make sure you factor that into your costs and you have a plan for recouping it back. Um, audiobook narration was a new mm-hmm. process for me too. Caller Cases is the first series that I've uh, I've had audiobooks for, and it's a it's amazing. It's wonderful. I love my narrator. She's so so talented. Um, finding her and learning about the workflow that we needed to go through um, that was just a new experience for me the first time. So does she do voices for the different characters? Then she does. So I actually tell people like guiltily and secretly that my favorite. A uh, way to recommend people consume color cases is actually the audiobook, even mm-hmm. though they're illustrated. And I love the illustrations. Um, Trista is the narrator for the books, mm-hmm. and she does unique voices for all the characters, mm-hmm. and it's insane. It's so much fun. So I am going to link to you. Have already given me a couple of um, links for where people can find information and keep in touch about when things are going to be published. Mm-hmm. In general, we have a book that comes out in the spring, and then we have a book that comes out in the fall. Um, This year, our spring book is May 2022. So we're celebrating with a series of um, free virtual programs that kids can attend. Um, We have quite a few giveaways going. And then in the fall, the plan is to celebrate with an in-person party. So the spring launch is virtual programming. The fall launch is in-person programming for anybody who happens to share my geographic location of Northeast Ohio. Um, so that's kind of the routine. Um, this is Collar Case's first year. So we're doing things a little bit differently. Book one is already out. Mm-hmm. Book two will be out very soon. Book three will be in the summer. And then book four will be in the fall. But beyond that, we're going to our one book in the spring, one book in, a, in the fall schedule. Okay, that was my next question. So you really do have more planned in the series. I do. I don't have a number in mind to share yet, um, but I I would like to do uh, several of them in addition to a few sister series that are set in the same universe and Mm -hmm. share some of the same characters and introduce new characters as well. 
Okay, nice. Well, I know for myself, um, both growing up and now, I really enjoy series Mm -hmm. um, and, and sharing a universe, you know, as you say, where all the characters intermingle Mm-hmm. In different it's my ways. favorite thing. <laughs> yeah. And I remember particularly with my kids growing up, we had several series and they just couldn't get enough of them. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't think that you um, should pick a number. I think you should just keep writing them. <laughs> All right. I'll go with that. Great advice. Thank you, Laura. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you would like to add? Um, if people want to find me, the best place is online, um, amandatrumpower.com. Um, you can also do collarcases.com. It goes to the same place. Uh-huh. Um, so all of the information that you would need about books and programming is there. Um, I'm a couple of places on social media as well, but really for news that is relevant to your listeners, the, the website is the best place to go. Okay. Well, it has been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for letting me interview you. Oh, thank you for having me. Have a great evening. Okay, we are going to have a book giveaway. And all you have to do to enter is to go to the blog post for this particular podcast episode and leave a comment about something that you enjoyed about this interview. You need to do that by April 30th, 2022. You do need to be in the continental United States for us to send you a book. And I will randomly pick from those people who comment. So you'll need to go back and check the comments by May 7th so that we can figure out how to get the book to you. There will be a link in the podcast description, but you can also just go to thehappyhomeschool.com and search for Amanda Trumpower in the search bar, and that should pull up just the right blog post. So again, make your comment by April 30th. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Make sure you have signed up for the Dangerously Helpful Homeschool Dispatch. When you do, you will receive my best 25 homeschool tips. Now go out there and have fun creating a fantastic homeschooling experience for you and your children. 